Well, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, we're going to begin in verse 26 in just a moment. Um, we started a, a, a series uh, last week called Christmas Wrapping. That, and we begin to understand that when God sent the gift of his son, he wrapped it in something, a family. And we looked at uh, Jesus' stepdad, Joseph, the one who would care and, uh, for him and, and raise him and train him. And so we looked at the character of, of Joseph, and today, this week we're going to look in, into Mary. But, you know, it's really in this Christmas season that every one of you needs to get ready for your family that's coming in. So I have some more jokes for you. <laughs> I promise you these will work when you tell them. All right? All right. After I give this to you, listen, you know, there's no royalties needed. You just use them at the family gathering, and I promise you, you'll have them busting a gut. All right, here you go. You ready? Dad joke number one. What kind of motorcycle does Santa ride? A Holly Davidson. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Okay, okay, here's another one. You can just bring this up on your own. Okay, uh, why are Christmas trees so bad at knitting? Because they're always dropping their needles. Mm -hmm. All right, this one may take a few of you uh, just a couple of moments. Okay, what did the beaver say to the Christmas tree? Nice gnawing you. Yeah, I saw that. There were some of you like, oh, oh I got it. Yeah. What did he say? <laughs> All right. Just from those groans, I won't tell you the last one. All right, I'll do it. I'll do it. All right. All right. What is, who is Santa's favorite singer? Elvis Presley. <laughs> We're praying for all of you at the end of the service. Oh, no, no. Um, you know, uh, this really is uh, to be a special time of the year. And as we look at this story of when Christ was given as a gift, I really believe there are lessons that we are to learn from the wrapping that God puts around Christ. Think about this for a moment. That God so looks down on humanity and trusts us that he would wrap his only son in Joseph and Mary. And they would be the initial ones to present Christ to the world. And so I believe as we look into the early moments of this Christmas story that you and I can actually learn some things from Joseph and today from Mary. And so uh, last week, men, it would have been a little easier for you and women are identifying with Joseph. Um, you know, get ready, men. Today, you're going to learn how to be a pregnant teenager. Maybe not, but uh, there's, a few, <laughs> there's a few principles from this story that I want you to grab hold of. 
And I believe the Holy Spirit is going to speak to us today about how we can carry Christ to the world and be the wrapping of God that brings a revolution. Luke 1.26 says this, says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary, displaying the difference between men and women, <laughs> said to the angel, I need a few more details. How can this be since I do not know a man? If you remember last week when we told the story of Joseph, he got the message from God and he, and he said, God said, hey, by the way, what's going on in Mary? It's of God. You know, she's pregnant from God. And listen, it's okay to take her as a wife. This is all Joseph says. Okay. <laughs> when Mary gets the same message, she's like, hang on a minute. I need a few details, please. Any women identify? <laughs> Any men lose their grocery list? <laughs> yes, yes, amen, amen. I'm standing with you, my brother. How can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. Can you imagine being insulted by an angel? That's really good. She, in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who, has, who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now, today, I just want to give us just a few key lessons from Mary that if we are going to present Christ to the world, that we have to learn from her. And we have to learn uh, some messages, uh, you know, something, something from this initial message that's given to her. First thing that you and I need to take away from this story is we need to be wrapped in joy. We need to be wrapped in joy. Notice the, the, the first word out of Gabriel's mouth. Rejoice. Rejoice. Joy was to be the atmosphere in which her calling was to take place. 
The first word uh, in theology, there is, there's called something the, the, the law of first mention. That means when something is mentioned first, it's of great importance that, that we, we lean on it. And so if you were to look at this in light of that, that thinking, you need to understand that the message given to her comes through the filter of joy. But that wasn't Mary's reaction. Okay, and I have some questions about her reaction because this is what it says. It says, and when she saw him, and when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. Can I just say that if Gabriel, the one who stands around God's throne, steps into my living room and comes with a message. I am not just freaking out over what he is saying. I am looking at him freaking out that he is there. <laughs> Mary, however, is not moved by this at all. She actually looks on him, sees him, possibly gleaming and glowing because he's been in the presence of God. Gabriel, known as the mouthpiece of God, she's like, ah, I'm not afraid of seeing you for who you are. I'm actually terrified of what you just said. I'm terrified. And the angel says, don't be afraid. Mary, for you found favor with God. Fear tends to grip many when we hear God has a plan for our life. And I don't mean when we hear uh, that mentioned uh, in passing in a sermon. I mean when the God of the universe garners our attention and we know that we are making a connection to a realm that is beyond sight and God speaks to us and says, I have a plan for your life. Many people don't respond in joy, they respond in fear. Because immediately we think, what am I going to have to give up? Can you imagine that at this moment, uh, when this angel comes, he says, rejoice. You need to be full of joy because God has a plan for your life and she's fearful. Why is she fearful? She's thinking, what am I going to have to give up? I have this plan of my family, uh, of my husband who's going to have a business and we're going to live near the Sea of Galilee and we're going to prosper and we're going to grow and, and it, it, it's just going to be wonderful in our culture and yet God steps in and interrupts her life and he says this, this interruption needs to be marked with joy. Listen to what Romans 14 says of, of this. When you understand that God is interrupting your life, that you had plan with his plan for you. Romans 14, 16 says, Therefore do not let your good be spoken of as evil, for the kingdom of God is not eating or drinking, but this is what the kingdom is all about, righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Listen, when you and I uh, say yes to God's plan in our life, it ought to be out of a place of joy. Let me make a recommendation to you. 
that you not try to angrily shout people into the kingdom. <laughs> Newsflash, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. We, there's nothing wrong with saying repent. You just ought to be really happy saying it. You ought to have the joy of God's presence in your life. The joy of knowing that he is with you, that you're living in the fullness. He says, listen, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. These things, who serves Christ in these things, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, they're acceptable to God and approved by men. When you serve God in joy, when you say, God, I hear your call and I'm not afraid to give up anything for your purpose, there's a joy that comes, a fulfillment that comes. Joy should mark our lives. I can remember the moment uh, where, where the Lord uh, spoke to me. My oldest child was a baby. And the Lord spoke to me and said, son, sell your house. I'm moving you. Things are about to change. Yeah. I was like, Lord, um, we just got this house. I mean, I just got it for my wife and the baby. And I really like the fact that while she's taking care of the baby, I can fish because it was waterfront. It blesses me, God. We connect there. And I love how many fish are there. And the Lord said, I just want you to sell the house. And I'm going to show you. I'm opening a door for you to move. Now, six months previous to this moment, I had actually thought, oh, the market's improving. Maybe I'll try to sell my house. And on a bluebird day, I stuck a sign in my front yard a for sale by owner sign. I go inside and something supernatural like a tornado with no clouds came. And I found my sign, no joke, the same day, six blocks down in a neighbor's yard. I'm like, you know, I don't need to be prophetic God to know that I'm trespassing to get the sign that was out of time. But when I took the same sign six months later at the word of the Lord, when God said, hey, it's time, I stuck it in the ground. And literally in two days, there was a bidding war on the house. And what can I say? That it, and by the way, it took, this is why I'm telling you this story. It took nine months. Nine months from the, from the time God said, sell the house. Know the joy of me stepping you into my plans rather than you living in your plans. It took nine months to develop before the God opened the door for us to come here. That was almost 20 years ago. There is nothing like the joy of knowing you are doing what God has called you to do. And most of the time when God speaks to us and says, I've got a plan for you, people resist it terrified. They get into fear. How can I do that? How will that ever work? Here's how it works. It's God. It's got to be God. 
Notice that how Paul prays for the Roman church. He says in Romans 15, he says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can be filled with all joy. When God puts a calling on your life, you can be filled with all joy. If you say, you know what, I'm a bit of a melancholy person. I just gave you your own prayer request. Say, God, I want to be filled with all joy. Why don't you just put it in the pastor auditorium? God, I want to be filled with annoying joy. I want to be so filled with joy it gets on people's nerves. Why are you so happy? Why are you so content? Why, why do you have this like magnetic? Why every time you come into our business, God shuts the whole place down? I don't know, but I've got joy. I tried depressed. I didn't like it. And if you're depressed today, listen, here's what you need to do. You need to hear God saying, he just coming in today saying, rejoice. I got a plan for you. And instead of trying to cling to the things that you have assembled for your own life, the plans that you had laid, the, the goals, the steps, all of the things that you have dreamed for yourself, it's time to lay those things down and begin to live in joy, saying, God, I want to be filled with all joy, the joy of knowing I'm fulfilling my purpose in my generation. Joy should mark our lives as we present Christ to the world. And I, I know and I recognize that many of you in here are facing real and sometimes devastating situations. But can I just give you, I, I, you know, the Bible teaches us how to deal with those situations and connects it to joy. Acts 13, 49, this is so good. If you're facing something, I believe this is a prophetic word for you about joy. Acts 13, 49 says this, and the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. I want you to see this. The word of the Lord, these guys, Paul and Barnabas, are preaching and many people are coming to Christ. And for us who are in the kingdom, there is no greater joy than see people go from death to life. So now that's happening. But, verse 50, the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women and the chief men of the city, raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and expelled them from their region. But they shook off the dust of their feet uh, against them and came to Iconium and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. What? Paul and Barnabas just had to leave people they love. They introduced them to Christ. They saw God starting to move in the region. And then all of a sudden, every person of influence said, get out. And they crushed the relationships and there was brokenness and goodbyes. But I love what Paul and Barnabas did. And some of us in the room need to learn to do it. They took their shoes off and shook the dust off. And put them back on and walked into a new place. And I, I, hear, I came here with a word from heaven for somebody. If you don't get anything else, you need to get this. If you're bound with all of the marks of the past and you're carrying the trauma of the brokenness of things not working out the way you thought they would, here's what you need to do. Take your shoes off. Shake off yesterday. Shake off the disappointment. Put them back on and say, I'm walking into what God has for me in the next place. What's it say? 
they were filled with joy. It wasn't a perfect circumstance, but they shook it off. When you know God's got a plan for your life and things come against you and there's opposition and disappointment and kids aren't behaving the way that they should and things aren't going for, your, for you at work the way you thought they would, here's what you need to do. Shake it off and look for the next open door. Look for the next place that God's putting grace and what's going to accompany you, joy. When you leave that brokenness of that trauma from the past behind and you say, God, I'm leaving that in your hands. You are the only one faithful to exact vengeance for those things the enemy has sown and the enemies of, of your sons and daughters have sown. God, you're the only one uh, uh, able to handle that. So I'm shaking that off and I'm walking into a new place. You're going to be filled with God's presence. and You're going to be filled with God's joy. You say, is it that simple? It really is. Shake it off. I believe if we're going to be presenting Christ to the world, not only do we need to have joy, we need to be wrapped in joy. We need to be wrapped in grace. All right. All of you just took a test without knowing it. When I said the word grace, if there was no response in you, you failed. If when I said the word grace, there was a negative response in you, you failed as well. We need to be wrapped in grace. And I believe if we'll get a better understanding of grace, it will actually make us more effective in the callings that God has for us as a people. This is what the angel says. And having come in, the angel said, rejoice, highly favored one the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. The word favored is this. It is bestowed grace. It is bestowed grace. It is grace that was wrapped on Mary. Here's, here's a, something really neat because I love word studies. The word rejoice and the word favored are actually the same root word. They're all the same root word of grace. Rejoice, you need to think of it as the overflow of somebody who has been wrapped in grace, who has, who has received something that doesn't, that doesn't have anything to do with their qualifications. Matter of fact, at this point, we know uh, uh, just a couple of things about Mary. Uh, she's pregnant, or about to be. She's a virgin. She's married, and she lives in Nazareth. That's it. We know, historically, she's probably a teenager. Now, none of those things qualify you to give birth to the Son of God. None of those things. Matter of fact, contrary to what, you know, most, some, some religions believe, they believe that she too was divine. She was not. She was a woman who said, I rejoice in the God of my salvation. She's not a God. She's just a girl. But she's a girl wrapped in grace. 
Now, in this season, you, you need to get really familiar with at least a couple of terms, and, and I believe that as you and I in this season go out sharing the life and the light of Christ, we need to understand a couple of these words surrounding grace. Uh, really, first, I would say mercy. You really un- need to understand mercy. Mercy is actually not getting what you deserve. Justice says, this is what you deserve. Mercy says, I'm withholding your sentence. That's mercy. That means when, when someone, uh, you know, ends up in a situation uh, that, you know, where they're not able to feed themselves, justice says, well, then they shouldn't eat. Mercy steps in and says, no, I'm going to feed them. Mercy says, no, you're not going to get the sentence you deserve. But grace goes a step further. Grace says, I am going to give you something you could never earn. So mercy is just simply you not getting what you deserve. Grace is you receiving what you could never earn. And, and, and here, here justice, justice says, you deserve to be rejected by God and eternally condemned. But grace says, I'm going to give you everything you could never earn through faith in Christ. That's grace. And here we are at Christmas. We're celebrating Christ coming with the greatest picture, at least in America, of Christmas being St. Nicholas. And many of you know the story of St. Nicholas. He actually lived in the 3rd century into the 4th century. And St. Nicholas was a Christian believer who, who was, he was actually very wealthy. And what he did is he was known for his generosity. And probably the most famous story is the story of a father who's... Uh, of three daughters who their mother had passed away and, and he was very poor and his, his daughters were approaching marrying age and, and he could not, the father could not pay the dowry connected to his daughters. So as his father is contemplating selling his daughters into indentured servitude, slavery, St. Nicholas hears about it. And St. Nick takes a bag of gold and sneaks in their house. Some stories say he threw it up through a window and, and it arrived in their house that way. Others say he snuck in their house and placed it in an obvious place. He not only did it once, he not only did it twice... But he did it on the th- uh, three times, one for each daughter, so they would never have to go into a life of slavery. Church, this is a picture of grace, where God sends his only son, who is rich in love toward us, rich in mercy, abounding in love. And he sees our brokenness on the verge of eternal slavery to sin. And he comes up into our life, and some of you know what I'm talking about, almost uninvited, and pays a price which we could never pay for ourselves, and buys us back from the slave market of sin. That's grace. And when you hear the word grace, you ought, to, you ought to come alive on the inside. 
There ought to be something in you that leaps, that says, man, I'm clothed in a goodness that has been bestowed upon me that I could never earn. I'm just another guy from a small town. I'm much like Mary. I'm, you know, I, I haven't done anything to deserve what God has placed upon my life. And all of us need to get clothed in that same heart, that same attitude, because that's exactly what God has done for us. Mary was wrapped in grace, and that's what positioned her to be used by God. And if we'll be wrapped in grace, we'll be positioned to be used by God. Romans 3, 23 is a verse that is, is quoted a lot when we're sharing Christ with people, but often we don't quote the whole passage. And I want you to see this, what grace does. It says, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. That means apart, that being right with God, in right standing with God, apart from obedience and adherence to the law of God is revealed. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and there are no numbers in these verses. This is the same thought. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. You need to hear this. That we do not earn this favor that is bestowed upon us. Much in the same way that Mary never asked for Gabriel to show up. But when we believe in Christ, we re freely receive equity with God and that positions us to be used by God and we need to be aware of that grace when you know you didn't earn forgiveness and favor in a relationship with God when you're wrapped in that truth you're positioned to be used by God and I know for some of you when I, when you hear the the word grace you immediately leap to the idea well you know some people use grace as a, li a license for sin well, that is anything, uh, that, that's just not even biblical grace. It's not even close. So if you think these kinds of thoughts, they are not birthed from doctrine. So this kind of thought that, oh, God will forgive me. You're trying to use grace as a license to sin. And grace is not a license to sin Grace is actually the stamp of God's approval uh, that, that comes on the life who by faith believe what Jesus did for them on the cross is enough. But listen to me, the grace that saves also do, does one of the things. You get wrapped in grace, you not only get saved, you get taught. Titus 2 says this, he says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that. First thing, it saves, verse 12, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us, from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. What is this saying? The grace that saves is the grace that teaches you how 
to become more like Christ. And if we are going to be people who literally are the wrapping of Christ to the world, we need to get wrapped in grace. The grace that saves is the grace that will teach you how to live like Christ. Are you saying I'm going to be perfect? Absolutely not. There's only been ever one perfect one. But let's stop making excuses and say, Grace, I want you to teach me how to be more like him. I want to be wrapped in this favor if, you're, if, if the favor that I didn't ask for teaches me to live soberly, it teaches me to live, to reject ungodly living, then it positions you to be used by God. When you're wrapped in grace, it makes you like Christ. And the last thing, I'll close with this, is... Mary was wrapped in available faith. And those two words are very important to put together. And that if you and I, in this Christmas season, are going to give the gift of Christ to visiting family and friends and neighbors and those who don't know the joy of knowing God, we also must be available and full of faith like she was. Notice the last statement she makes. Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Mary said, here I am God. Let your plan for my life come to pass. That's what those words meant. We celebrate Christmas because Mary was available and believed. I don't believe for one moment that if Mary had said, you know, God, I don't think I could do that. I'm not going with your plan. Maybe there would be other details to this story. Could be that someone else would have, grace would have fallen on them to say yes to God. But here's what we know about Mary. Mary said yes. And she was available. Here's what I know. There are many people who agree with biblical ideals. That means, oh man, we believe Jesus is the Savior. They're just not available to be used by God. They're just not available. There were many, probably girls, who believed, but maybe they weren't available. And I believe that we need to be filled with available faith. That we can't just say we believe in the precepts, but we actually say, God, I'm available to you to let your power flow through me in such a way that it produces salvation in the lives of other people around me. You need to have available faith. James 2.18 says it this way. Many of you know it. It says, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O oh foolish man, 
that faith without works is dead. What he is saying here is that it is not enough to agree in principle that Jesus is Christ, that we have been chosen to present the gospel through our lives and in message and in power, that we have been trusted by God to carry his son to a sin-sick world. And it is not enough to agree that he is the Savior. We must be available and have enough faith that God by his grace, will use us to see our world transformed. Our first call is to act upon what we've heard. Believe and place your trust in Christ. Then be as available to God as Mary and Joseph were to let Christ be your world. Our plans need to become secondary And God's plan for our life needs to become primary. And the key is found in this statement. Let it be unto me according to your word. Let it be unto me according to your word. Church, hear the call of God today. Asking you, will you live the life I have planned for you? And will you lay the life down that you have planned for you to pick up the life, the only life you are meant to live, which is in full devotion to God through Jesus Christ as his only son, filled with the Holy Spirit, carrying his message and power to a world who needs him desperately.